This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Taking the ride with Royce on 1500 ESPN. You know, Reavers, I am a visionary when it comes to sports. I was, I was a visionary when it, when it, I'm a visionary on the Timberwolves, unfortunately. I'm a visionary on Wiggins. I'm right about him. And I was a visionary about the Vikings at the start of the year. I, I picked them to go 10 and 6. No, okay. Hardly anybody else did that, right? Would you say that's true? Uh, I predicted that they would be a playoff team. Okay, I said 10 and 6 okay. and my, my reason was even though they finished last year 3 and 8, I said look, they're going to have a top 5 defense, right? Their their offense last year I think was 28th out of 30 teams, something like that, 28th, 29th in that range. Mm-hmm. And I said with the offensive line upgrades and, you know, Sam Bradford who played pretty well last year, if you give him a little more protection and Dalvin Cook, right? Mm-hmm. Th- if they can just get to be the 15th best offense, uh they'll be 10 and 6. Well, now they're eight and two, which is on a on a way better pace than ten and six, and they got a tough schedule. They could still fall to ten and six. I get that, but they have the right now. It just came. They have the fifth ranked defense based on yardage, and the fifth ranked offense. Wow, I did not know that. And they're the only team in the NFL that has the top five in both categories, and that is a huge. That's a huge, uh, I think, uh, predictor of how good you are. What's you, Philly then? Philly's good. But Philly's defense is not that good. Really? I th- yeah. Okay, I thought they were pretty uh, good. I, I mean, it's good. I don't think it's it's you know Philly's Philly's got the the best offense. And, it's you know, not the, Rams. the Vikings. I guess. They, yeah, they, their defense has a lot of speed, but they rely pretty heavily on like turnovers. And but sure like the that, Vikings. You know? So the Vikings have uh, their offense has gone from twenty eighth to fifth. Okay, and look, Sam Bradford was part of it because he had that great first game. Right, mm-hmm. he was fantastic in that game. Right, uh, and probably Case has probably had two games like that since the Tampa Bay game. And then the Washington. Now he had another huge. Uh, the, the second half against the Bears, he had like a one thirty quarterback rating. Mm-hmm. But I, so I started thinking about this Vikings offense, and I thought, you know, this is truly remarkable because I got to thinking. I'm going, how many first round picks that were the Vikings' own first round pick play any snaps on the offense? And I can tell you, it is one guy, and he is so insignificant, you wouldn't even think of him. Pat Elflin. Pat Elflin's a third-round pick. Oh, I'm sorry. First-round pick. Okay. One guy who had a, had a catch yesterday, Laquan Treadwell. Sure. And and let me ask you this. If Laquan Treadwell uh, quit tomorrow, would you, would that change your outlook on how the Vikings are going to do going no. forward? No. Okay. And let's and so let's – there are two most important players on offense. We're both undrafted free agents, right? Case Keenum, undrafted. Adam Thielen, undrafted. I mean, Adam Thielen is now, I would say – I said this yesterday on my show, and I will not back down from it. There's not a single receiver in the NFL for whom I would trade Adam Thielen, including 
uh, Antonio Brown, and including Julio Jones. Really? I think I think Keenum's hands are better. I think uh, his explosiveness after he catches the ball is better. And I think if you went back and looked at what Thielen has done since he became a starter, which was about halfway through last year, so he's probably played like 16 games, I bet his numbers are very similar to those two, and he's not playing for a big band, and he's not playing for, for Matt Ryan. The other thing about Thielen that I, I think goes overlooked is how much he's bailed out his general manager in that – Yes, he's, he's covered Cordero up for a Cordell Patterson and Laquan Chedrill, two first-round picks that look like they're going to be busts. So how about that? So those guys are both undrafted free agents. Uh, Nick Easton was undrafted, and Mike Remmers, who they signed, who wasn't that good and isn't playing, was also undrafted. Okay, Well, Nick the Easton old, was a trade, was he not? Yeah, these were trades, but these are guys Joe that were Hodges, never drafted. Yeah. Yep. The only guy on the entire that plays any significant minutes for the Vikings offense that was taken in the first round by anybody was Riley was Reef. Reef. Yep. And he's been great. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. He's been great. But how about this? Case Keenum, undrafted. Latavius Murray, sixth round. St- Stephon Diggs, fifth round. Adam Thielen, undrafted. Kyle Rudolph was second round. Riley Reef, first round. Nick Easton, undrafted. Pat Elfline, third round. Joe Berger, sixth round. Mike Remmers, undrafted. And go to some of the backups. Uh, uh, Jeremiah Stiles, who's started until he got hurt, undrafted. Rashad Hill, who's played some on the offensive line, undrafted. Jarius Wright, who every time they put him in makes a big play. He's like a fourth round. Fourth pick. round. Yeah. That is, that's what they have on offense. They, they've got guys that on draft day, the only guy that they were talking about on draft day in that whole group would have been Riley Reef, was obviously talked about on draft day uh, for the Lions. Uh, Laquan Treadwell was, was talked about, and Kyle Rudolph in the second round. Meanwhile, you go to the Vikings defense, Everson Griffin, fourth round. There's some undrafted guys there, too. Tom Johnson, undrafted, but Linval Joseph was taken in the second round by the Giants. Danell Hunter was taken in the third round. Eric Kendricks, second round. Anthony Barr, first round. Ben Gideon, fourth round. Xavier Rhodes, first round. Harrison Smith, first round. Uh, Sandeo, undrafted, and some of the other backup guys have come through for him. That were, the, But the Vikings have spent their high picks on defense. They haven't spent them on offense. Now, Delvin Cook, you know, they'd be even better if they had Delvin. Latavius Murray and uh, Jared McKinnon have done a good job. Mm-hmm. It was funny. On my show yesterday, I said Latavius Murray in the Redskins game. I said if Delvin Cook had been playing in the Redskins game and had gotten the holes to run through that Latavius Murray had, Latavius Murray had, what, 60 or 70 yards against the Redskins? Some important runs. Delvin Cook would have had 150 because he. One, Latavius Murray, you know, reads the hole, hits it well, hits it better than AP did. Remember but he AP? doesn't have the speed. Yeah, he Cook doesn't break doesn't, tackles. Right. And then what happens in this game? On a big play, he breaks. It was an arm tackle, but he broke an arm tackle from Aaron Donald. He broke several other tackles. He had some a big couple big touchdown runs where he was running guys over. So he started actually getting some yards after first contact. Uh, but he's no Dalvin Cook. But he's he's functional. But when you look at it now, what they put together, they just have a unit that together, including Case Keenum. And including Pat Shermer, the way he's dialing it up with this game, with I that's the guy who I think deserves I, most of the credit for the offensive success is Pat Shermer. I agree he's, with you. He's adjusted. He's a, he's adjusted his system to his personnel, and it's working out really well. As someone who grew up listening to my father yell out Jerry Burns's name for being such a crap, which it wasn't true. <laughs> Jerry Burns was a very good offensive coordinator. Yes, he was. Uh, and then living through Bob Schnelker. Okay, and living through uh, oh, who's some other guys we've had. Now we've actually had some good ones here, right? We had we had uh, 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 the guy who went on to win the Super Bowl. I Billick. Billick was very good. Now he had a lot of talent. Game play when he had when his foot was uh, shoe was coming off up the line. 
the Schnelker rant. Uh, that ain't Bob Schnelker's fault. No, and they, they put him up on the scoreboard in the crowd. But so, so there's been some good offensive coordination. Linehan did a pretty good job, right? Linehan was really good in 2000, the, the big year Dante had when Moss had yeah. the hamstring injury and all that, yeah. But I can never remember watching a game when I see Shermer do something and I just go, wow. One of them against the uh, Redskins when they threw that little, on third down, you never know what he's going to do. It, you want unpredictability? Shermer is as unpredictable. Sometimes he rolls out. Sometimes, sometimes he runs. Sometimes he does yeah. a screen. He he throws so much stuff at you on third down. They're so effective on third down. They were 7-14 to 14 against the Rams. that It's just brilliant to watch him coach this team and, I, how, and how well they play. I agree with everything that you just said and think he's done a fantastic job. If he calls one more Wildcat play, I will drive yeah. well, to Winter one, Park right? and he I will choke one. slam him against okay. the wall. That it is a waste of a down every time he, he calls it. Has he called it more than once in the this, Lions this game? season? He called it against the Lions. He did it yesterday. He did a Wildcat yesterday? I must have missed that. Yeah, he did it, he did it yesterday. It resulted in Murray running for a yard, maybe, okay. maybe hey, a yard and I'm a half. I'm going to say this in my defense. You know, you know, I've always been a talker about you got. I have cable because I never want the the dish to go out. Mm-hmm. Two games this year: one of the, the Gophers Nebraska game in the second quarter, and yesterday I missed most of the, of the third quarter because my cable was showing everything except for the local TV stations. So if I was on ABC, CBS, Fox, it, it says we're not getting the signal. You're kidding me? No, and then it came I, back. I out. would not have handled that well. No, I I was so I, I so that might have been when that occurred. Okay, you're right. He shouldn't do that, but. But he's been brilliant on that. And to me, Case Keenum is the perfect guy to do the stuff that he wants you to do. He's just been, it, it, but it has been a, it has truly been remarkable. Uh, we'll get some more, uh, uh, maybe more learned commentary when Ben Gessling joins us. But first, we have to go and get traffic with Kenny Olson. Talking purple right now on the ride with Royce. Ben Gessling covers the Vikings. Here with Ben Gessling. Ben Gessling joining us now. It's Viking Star Tribune beat writer Ben Gessling. All right, Ben. Uh, you know, it's Vikings fans. Somebody tweeted yesterday. They said, you know, it might be time to uh, go all in on the Vikings. And I said, I learned from 2009 that I'll go all in. And even then, maybe with only one foot. If Case Keenum is in victory formation with 10 seconds to go in the Super Bowl and the Vikings up by three touchdowns, then maybe <laughs> then maybe I'd probably go all in. But I'd wait to make sure that the snap was at least grabbed before he went down. I'm just not going to get sucked into it. But a rather impressive performance, and I saw somebody tweeted today that as of today, if you rank the offenses and defenses by yardage, the Vikings have the fifth best defense. No surprise there. They now have the fifth ranked offense. Uh, is it possible this team is becoming a juggernaut? Well, um, you know, it certainly looks that way at the moment. I mean, you know, Case Keenum certainly has played his best football of his career, as everybody has, has witnessed the last uh, eight eight or so starts. I, the question, I guess, is will it last? I mean, you know, Thursday is as good of a test as any. And, you know, they, they have had trouble with the yep. Lions. They've lost five of seven to the Lions in Mike Zimmer's tenure. Uh, so Thursday gives you a little bit of a, a window into it. But, I, you know, I thought yesterday would, too. And, and he, you know, other than – a couple of throws that I, I think had Mike Zimmer, um, you know, pulling his hair out for a second. They, the results turned out fine, but he avoided the big mistakes. And uh, overall, I thought played serviceably well. And, and you know, a lot of weeks, that's all you're going to need. Is, is it enough to take them deep into the playoffs and, and possibly to the Super Bowl? We'll, we'll have to find out. But uh, I, I certainly understand the 
the reluctance to buy in until there's uh, 10 seconds left in the Super Bowl and they're up by a comfortable margin, like you say. But uh, um, as much as Vikings fans can set the fatalism aside and enjoy the ride, it it certainly is uh, one that's worth enjoying. Something that 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 I kind of got from watching on TV yesterday, and I think it came across, and I've, I've only seen one game in U.S. Bank uh, Stadium, but it is a loud stadium, certainly, and uh, like any dome is, but but that one certainly gets loud. And, and Mike Zimmer during the week had said, I want you to be loud. And uh, just I had not seen the Rams play this year. Uh, I'd seen some highlights, but, boy, I, I don't know that I've seen a team. It almost looked like a Chip Kelly-type deal uh, where they almost they, they don't huddle a lot. And it appeared that Jared Goff's job is to go to the line of scrimmage, see what the defense gives him, and then try to communicate to everybody what they're going to do. And between Zimmer completely go- going out of his way to confuse him, bringing him up, moving him over, every time he'd say something, they'd move somebody else. So he's, he's intentionally trying to, com- to confuse him. That would work even if they were in a quiet room. You, you put in the, the context of how loud it was in there to the point where the Vikings said they even had trouble on defense getting their signals straight. Boy, that really – I've got to say that the, the Rams' strategy of, of, of not huddling and, and, and limiting maybe some of the options certainly didn't serve Jared Goff very well yesterday because you could tell when they got down there that he was snapping the ball and he didn't know what he was going to do. And then the pressure came and he just couldn't function for really after that first drive hardly at all. Yeah, that's 100% what they were trying to do. And Mike Zimmer said that during the week that uh, you know typically what they'll do is what colleges will do where, they, where he's going up to the line and they're saying, hey, this is what the coverage looks like this is what we're going to call. And then he checks out the line to say, okay, this doesn't match or they switched into something. And so basically they are going to the line, giving him an idea of what the coverage is ahead of time. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, taking a quiz and, and getting a little bit of a hint ahead of time. So they, they knew that. And it was interesting to hear Mike Zimmer talk about it because he got asked later in the week, you know, were you able to pick that up on film? And he said, no, we were told that's what they do. So, from where that came, you know, I have a few theories. It could, I suppose it could have been Case Keenum. It could have been uh, Jay Gruden, Mike Zimmer's former cohort in, in Cincinnati, who coached with Sean McVay in Washington. I mean, it's hard to know exactly, but it was interesting to, to get a window on some of that gamesmanship. But um, the, what they did to confuse Jared Goff and the crowd, I, I certainly think, had a big effect on the game. That was I, and I covered every game at U.S. Bank Stadium. That was the loudest I've heard that place bar none. And that includes the game against the Packers last year. It, it was the first time I really felt like it was as loud as the Metrodome. I mean, the sound system is certainly louder than the Metrodome was, but I hadn't really felt like the crowd had affected a game the way it used to do at the Metrodome. It's certainly nowhere to that degree uh, that they had done yesterday. So uh, all of it worked together quite nicely. And um, the result was uh, an offense that, had the one drive that was scripted and couldn't do anything else after that. Ben Gessling joins us, uh, Star Tribune beat writer for the Vikings. Uh, ben, uh, and that really, to me, the way I look at the rest of the season, and obviously injuries are always a factor in the NFL, and, you know, the Vikings defense uh, has been pretty healthy, uh, you know, through uh, nine games uh, or eight, ten games. You know, Sandejo missed yesterday and uh, his replacement, uh, Mike, what's his name? Uh, now I'm, it's the, Anthony Harris. Anthony Harris played, made three or four. You know, I don't know if he made bad plays, but he made three or four huge plays, including the strip down on the goal line that really turned the tide in the game. After that, uh, but but when I look at it, to me, I, I see two steps for the Vikings. Step one is, uh, I think the most important game they've played all season is this Thursday because if they beat the Lions, all of a sudden the Lions don't have the tie break anymore, and the Lions then are three games behind. If the Lions win the game, they're one game behind with an easier schedule and the tie break. So to me, you know, barring absolute catastrophe, 
you know, if the Vikings win this game, they can kind of say, okay, we got the division pretty much in hand. Now we've got to focus on at least getting the number two seed and maybe even the number one seed because that because obviously U.S. Bank Stadium is a huge advantage for the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, basically, if they win Thursday, all they have to do, I mean, you set aside the, the road games that they still have on their schedule. If you win your two home games after Thursday yep. against the Bengals and the Bears, both very winnable games, games they should win at home, your 11 wins, and the Lions can't win more than uh, 11 at that point. So, I mean, you're you're tied with them there, and you know you would at least have a push on the tiebreaker, and you'd, you'd want to take care of one more of those. Yep. But at the very minimum, winning those two and then probably beating a Packers team that won't have a lot to play for on December 23rd seems pretty doable. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. This is the most important game they have left in their schedule because the scenario, like you say, if they lose, you then again – you once again – don't have that tiebreaker on the Lions, and the Lions schedule the rest of the way after that. I, I think the, the combined record of the teams they play is 21 and 29. There's not a team left on their schedule that has a winning record, and the Vikings, after Thursday, uh, go to Atlanta and then go to Carolina. So if they win Thursday, they have pretty much a chokehold on the division, but if they lose, this thing is very much up for grabs, especially given the schedule of these two teams have left. Now, in Zimmer, I guess, is what, two and five, I think somebody told me against the Lions, and he's lost yeah. at least three straight, maybe four, lost two. But for sure, in the, I think maybe four straight. But they lost three in a row. Three, three in a row. But in all three yeah. of those games, the, the Lions had 17, no more than 17 points at the end of regulation, and then they won one in overtime. And so the, the defense has held Matthew Stafford and the Lions' offense in check, which is a very strong offense. The, the reason the Vikings have struggled against the Lions is they haven't been able to score points against them, and that hasn't been a problem over really the other than the Steelers game and the first half against the Bears when poor Sam Bradford was out there playing. The Vikings' offense has not had trouble scoring points this year other than the Lions game, uh, the Steelers game, and the first half against the Bears. And so the question is, is there something the Lions do to the Vikings, or is it just the fact that the Vikings have had a crappy offense that has really gelled in the last six weeks, and the Vikings' offense should be able to score points against the Lions Thursday? Well, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, last year, the two times they played the Lions were really when they were starting to have everything kind of come apart, and their offense really had to resort to just the quick throws with Sam Bradford. The game earlier this year was the one where Dalvin Cook got hurt. So you you had kind of started yep. to stake your offense on this guy, and then he goes out halfway through the game, and, and you're kind of scrambling a little bit to find your identity again, especially when the game plan had, had centered as much around Dalvin Cook as it had started to do. That said, I do think there are some things the Lions do. I, they they are not a team that's going to come after you with a ton of blitzes. They they have a decent pass rush up front with Ziggy Ansah. And you know a couple of the other guys that they throw at you. It's certainly not what it was with Indomik and Sue and, and some of those guys that they've had in the past. But they can still get some pressure on you. And what they like to do is say, "Hey, we're going to sit back in coverage." I mean, Terrell Austin, their defensive coordinator, has been you know, more of a cover two type guy. And, and what they're doing is, you know, what you see a lot of those teams do over the years and say, "If you're going to beat us, you're going to have to do it eight, ten yards at a time." And, and the thing that worries me a little bit about this matchup for the Vikings is that. Case Keenum has had a lot of success rolling out of the pocket and getting big chunks of yardage at a time. And, and when he's had to sit there and pick his way down the field, you know, that's when you're sort of putting yourself at more risk of an interception. I mean, that's, that's the, the, the approach with, with teams to play coverage is say the more times you have to throw the ball, the more likely you are to make a mistake and you're not going to be able to get those big plays. And so if they're able to deny some of those downfield shots that they've taken to Adam Thielen to Stephon Diggs, 
and stop the run, you know, I it is a, a difficult matchup to score a lot of points. But uh, you know, it, it certainly the way the Vikings are playing, you think that if they're ever going to kind of break this little mini uh, hold the Lions have had on this series, uh, Thursday is as good a time to do it as any. Well, and you know, if you really look at the first half of that of the Rams game, that was how the Rams were playing. I mean, that first drive, the Vikings had the ball for six minutes and ran 12 plays and ended up moving. Now, they kind of shot themselves in the foot, but they moved like 40 yards, you know, and had yeah. to end up punting because they, they couldn't get anything. And then I think... That's why if the Rams had scored to go up 14-7, to they might have stayed that way. But once the Rams fell behind, you know, you saw Wade Wade uh, Phillips uh, Wade, yeah, Wade Phillips dial up some stuff, and he dialed up that blitz that you know, that Thielen and, and Keenan burned him on. Yes. And, and, you know, that was critical for the Vikings to get the lead, so that might be important in this game as well. Well, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Now, when you're, in thanks, when you're there for a Thanksgiving game, which you were last year as well, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do, do they serve like turkey in the press box, or what's the deal there? Yeah, they do. You know, it actually was a pretty good spread last year. I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, you go in thinking like, okay, it's a press box meal. And, and the, you know, a lot of people have stepped up their game with the press box thing. But the thing with Detroit is they do that every year. I mean, you have right. people in the media that probably eat Thanksgiving dinner there, have eaten Thanksgiving dinner there every year for 30 years. So it really was a, a pretty solid spread. I, I was pleasantly surprised at that last year. So, uh, We'll, we'll do that again this year and then uh, probably get together with my family a, a couple of days later. So it's, uh, it doesn't work out too badly. It's, it's kind of, it should be a fun game. It should be a good matchup. And, and the, uh, the spread is, is better than you would expect. All right. Thanks, Ben. Enjoy All right. It. Thanks, Corso. Uh, before we go, Reavers, I will say this. The best press box meal I ever had, I was covering in Miami, uh, LSU game in, in Baton Rouge. Oh. Uh, and uh, Gumbo? And, uh, and the, oh, they had jambalaya, Man. gumbo. Yes, uh, it was it was as good a food. I mean, I felt like I was on Bourbon Street. It was uh, that I, that that sticks in my mind as the best. Well, I was going to concur with what Mr. Gessling said because when I was in Detroit for the the epic Gopher uh, Quick Lane Bowl, uh, yes. the the pregame. The, seriously, the food was fantastic for the uh, for the Gophers in Western. Well, Michigan. and there is nothing. And I'm trying to think. Was it Dana Wessel, a former you know my mm-hmm. former producer? I think he tweeted that he doesn't get Thanksgiving food, and I almost I, what's wrong with him? And I, and I almost had to block him just for like a week as a punishment because <laughs> ha, there's nothing I like better than Thanksgiving food. Oh, it's the and best. if if I'm having Thanksgiving like I am this year at somebody else's house, then that means on Friday at home we're doing our own turkey because I need to have that turkey in the fridge for a week mm-hmm. eating the turkey and leftovers. I, yeah, absolutely, you got to do it. We take a break. Come back, Johnny Height update. All right, live from the 1500 ESPN Twin Cities newsroom is Johnny Height. Thanks, Corzo. This update sponsored by Account Temps. Do you need accounting and finance professionals for long-term or recurring projects? If so, Account Temps salaried professional service may be the right solution. Visit accounttemps.com, Account Temps, a Robert Half company. Something you've been waiting for, Mr. Reavers, baseball news. Do we have a no. signing, for God's no, sake? No, there's no signing, and oh. it's not that exciting. But at, at least it's baseball news. The Twins have added three to their 40-man roster. Right-head pitcher Zach Littell and lefty Steven Gonsalves and Lewis Thorpe added. Uh, Littell? Gonsalves. What did I say? Gonsalves. Oh, my poor... My, that's you put the mistake. wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yeah, I hate when I do that. <laughs> uh, Littell, he's the fellow they acquired from the Yankees in the uh, Jaime Garcia trade. He's a righty. 
Uh, Gonsalves was drafted by the Twins in 2013. He was 9-5 and five last year, splitting the season between AA and AAA. Thorpe was 4-4 four and four this year between single A and AA. He was signed by the Twins in 2012. Uh, tonight is the deadline for teams to fill up their 40-man rosters, so uh, seeing a lot of movement in that area. Not a lot of names for most teams, of course. That uh, I'm shocked there hasn't been a single signing yet. Nothing. There's yeah. been nothing in baseball yet. No. Absolutely. Did you see, but by the way, Johnny, also the Twins removed from the 40-man roster Cole Stewart, who was the fourth Overall pick? Yep. I did. Fourth that, overall yes. pick in the yep. 2013 Major League Baseball. Not draft. surprising. That was a massive swing and a miss. He's been awful. Speaking of which, did you see did you see uh on Twitter yesterday? So I'll allow for the possibility it's not right. Some <laughs> science website said that Adam Thielen at his highest speed on that 65 year touchdown pass was going 21.0 miles per hour, and the fastest that Byron Buxton has ever been clocked by this same site was 21.6 miles per hour. Really? Now, some of that might be that he's running the bases and curving, yeah. mm-hmm. and Thielen is running with a big guy chasing him. You know, fear can make you go a little faster. Sure, sure. And he's on turf <laughs> instead of on dirt, but that kind of surprised me. But Thielen's also, keep in mind, Thielen's running with like 40 pounds of Equipment, yeah, right. equipment. And, Although Thielen uh, doesn't wear much equipment, you look at the guys. Those guys, no. yeah. you see an old NFL film clip. The equipment, they look like they're gladiators. Now they look like they're swimmers. You know, with the equipment <laughs> they're wearing. Do we have an official time ever for him in the forty? There must be, right? For Thielen, I, he I must don't. have run one. Although he wasn't at the. You know what combine. I can say? He's fast. He's yes, fast. He is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Vikings will play the Lions. It's the. Uh, Annual traditional Thanksgiving Day game in Detroit. They play the morning game. Vikes eight and two after beating the Rams. Lions are in second in the NFC North at six and four. From the Vikings division, uh, if you watched yesterday, the Lions uh, defeated the Bears 27-24. Bears kicker Connor Barth missed a 46-yard field goal attempt with seconds left in the game, and now he is out of a job. Uh, they caught him. Yeah, he's, wow. he, well, he hasn't been very good. 10-16 this year. He didn't Oof. have a good year last year. Uh, he'll be replaced by Cairo Santos. Uh, Santos, he was the fellow with the Kansas City Chiefs who got a groin injury. He was replaced, although he was pretty good for the Chiefs in the past couple of years, 80 out of 105 for his career last year missed just four of 35 attempts for didn't the, the bears sign the the second round kid from tampa the aguayo i thought they had him on their practice squad am i smoking I something i shouldn't be I I, all i, I want to say is yesterday know. i enjoyed kai forbath channeling blair walsh on the snap hook <laughs> that was bad, <laughs> no, that was bad. I, we, we he let us know I, you could have blair walsh I'm just going to let you know, and I'll come back and start making kicks again. Mm-hmm. I, I love. I didn't see the game yesterday, but as soon as I got on Twitter, saw all the yeah. Forbath comments. I was like, "Well, he's very lucky that it was a blowout yeah, because yeah. that would be the major talking point out of that game yesterday." But you know, I'm okay with it because that 53 yarder he made against the Redskins was rather important. Remember that put him up from oh, eight yeah. to eleven. Yep. Former NFL wide receiver Terry Glenn died today after a one-vehicle rollover accident near oh. Dallas that left his fiance slightly injured. Glenn was 43. He died shortly before one this morning at Parkland Memorial Hospital in Dallas. Police are still investigating what caused the wreck. Glenn was a star at Ohio State, lived in the Dallas area. His car apparently left the highway, hit a concrete barrier, and rolled. He was ejected from the car. Jones, uh, his fiance, was taken uh, to a uh, Glenn's fiance, excuse me, was taken to a hospital for treatment for minor injuries. Glenn played parts of 12 seasons in the NFL, six with the Patriots, five with the Cowboys, and one with the Packers. He made the Pro Bowl in 1999 as a member of the Patriots, finished his career with over 8,000 uh, yards and 44 touchdowns. Played with Bill Parcells a long time, mm-hmm. both New England and Dallas. Mm-hmm. Gophers basketball team uh, sticks at number 14 in the latest poll. They beat Western Carolina yesterday. They'll be at home tomorrow night against Alabama 
A&M. Wild in action tonight. They play New Jersey at the Excel Energy Center. Possibly Charlie Coyle could be back. Uh, he has been reinstated from the long-term injured reserve Lower list. body, right, John? Yeah. Well, it was a broken leg, so we'll get that as lower body. And the Timberwolves played tonight. They're right back at it after the loss last night. They are on the road playing Charlotte. Thanks, Johnny. Time for Traffic with Kenny. Well, our very own Patrick P.J. Royce, did you see his tweet? Which one? Uh, he said, it's Turkey Chairman in Panic. He's in Fort Myers trying to complete task, and two smoke alarms are bleeding every few seconds. No <laughs> lottery, no batteries, and no talent for changing them. We may have to turn 2017 into Christmas ham. No! Awards. I'm sure he'll get it done. I mean, it's only Monday. Are right? you accusing the big boy of creating a false uh, sense of drama? Well, all I'm saying is is that I believe that, you know, the, the obvious odds-on favorite is none other than, than P.J. Fleck, mm-hmm. as he refers to as Phil Fleck, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but I think the fact that he's sending out that much smoke means that that PJ will be the first runner up, and then he'll have somebody else. As the as the I think that's what he'll do. So I have a um, a bet with uh, the producer of the Mackie and Judd show, Mr. Dave Harrigan. He and I uh, we're, we're discussing this very topic because nobody breaks down the turkey of the year like the Mackie and Judd show. They do a phenomenal job. It's a show I look forward to every year. The Wednesday before Thanksgiving, obviously the day before the, the column appears in the Star Tribune, they handicap it. They have guests on. Yes. They, they they talk about it extensively on their four-hour program. And so I said, it's a slam dunk. I, I Royce's it's going to be P.J. Fleck. And they make valid arguments. They do. Who else that, do they suggest? Well, they... They say it can't be that obvious because Royce, if there's, if there's one thing that Pat does, he will not go with the obvious pick because he doesn't want it to be that easy. He wants people to essentially work for it. And I say this, I know my guy, and my guy is always on to the scent of the sporting public in the Twin Cities. And because people think that that's the way he thinks, he's the ultimate contrarian. So that's why he will this year pick the 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 slam dunk no brainer and because he can't help himself I I see him every day and it's not that he doubts PJ's ability to be a successful head coach he just is sick and tired of the 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 hoopla and the nonsense and 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 and, and the verbiage that comes out of this guy's mouth all right so here we go this is my opportunity for you okay it is, like I said, at the start of this year, anybody that, that studied the players that were left over, uh, you know, my prediction for the Gophers was 6-6, six and six, even though they went 9-4 and four last year, winning a bowl game. A lot of guys left. Some other guys quit. Some other guys got kicked off the team. Sure. And they had, they looked a lot like mid-season 2016 Minnesota Vikings, a very weak defensive line. A very young secondary, and then they, you know, and then the two areas where they were the, where they were the thinnest, offensive line and secondary, got decimated either by suspensions or injuries, and it's made the season even worse than I would have predicted. But my point was, even if PJ Fleck had done, if everything had gone right, this team wasn't going to be any better than seven and five, probably. Given the this perception that this is a nine and four team that he got, well, it was was incorrect. A lot of guys had left. The whole Jerry uh, Kill, uh, Clay's thing had really built up to last year being a great year. And really, last year in a lot of ways was disappointing because they beat all the teams they should have. And with the exception of Washington State in the bowl game, they lost to every team they should have lost to. Right? Mm-hmm. They, they didn't surprise us in any way, shape, or form. And look, 
two of the last three games have been abysmal. That Northwestern game was as abysmal as it gets. Yep. But because I went into the P.J. Fleck era saying, I, I have some hope that this guy can come in and can completely change, and I'll use the term culture at this place because it, it hasn't been any good, that I didn't expect it to, to happen overnight. Okay, so the fact that they're as bad now as I've seen him in years doesn't really bother me or take away that I believe P.J. Fleck is the best coaching hire they've had since Lou Holtz. And we'll see if he can pull, if he can actually, you know, Lou Holtz had him kind of going where maybe they'd get serious, but, 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 you know, I've said many times, I don't think the big, the Gophers are ever going to win the big 10. You don't think football. the kill hire was a good hire. I didn't say it wasn't a good hire. I think this kill kill was going to get them to be eight and four. That was kill. Okay. I think Fleck Fleck could flame out or Fleck could actually get them to win a big 10 title. I think he he it, it's what was most frustrating to me about Thibodeau after he got Jimmy Butler. He built the team to make the playoffs instead of building a team that in two years could win the title. That's my my take. Okay. Now, so I'm all in on PJ Fleck. I think PJ Fleck's going to be the best coach that they've hired since Lou Holtz and will be their best coach since Bernie Behrman. I will say it, or maybe since since Murray Warmath. Are you saying we're going to row the boat to Pasadena? Go I'm, for saying, Nation? I'm saying it's the best. The, this is the kind of guy you have to have to have it happen. Okay. And, and I'm not going to let. A horrible game against and it and if you remember when it came to Richard Patino, I saw I said Richard Patino was a great hire. And I said that when they were eight and twenty-three. So you have to be able to say it when you're at the bottom. So here's your chance. Okay. Are you gonna are you gonna say get rid of the you're not gonna say get rid of the guy? I get that. Oh, you but know, you know what? I think you're you're making a mistake. I think you think well and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think PJ Fleck is a good coach and will will uh have an impact on this program. And I've I've I'm on record saying that yeah, I just I get I do grow a, a tad tired, and it's because had we never had Tim Brewster, I probably would be enjoying yep. this a little bit more than I than I than I am. But I don't I okay just coach the football team. I don't I don't need the I don't need positivity is going to change this culture. Period. When you get inside Hold the on. football walls, Gotta you're going to have positivity hit you right in the face. And, all right. And I don't be, need all of that. And to be fair. And in fairness to the guy who normally sits in the chair you're sitting in right now, Corzo, Patrick has even said, you know, P.J. Fleck might be a fine coach. The The problem is people get so riled up when he gets criticized for the row the boat and the culture and, and all this other. Like people, my issue is that people take the stuff way too personally. Yeah. So if, somebody, if somebody says... Come on, this row the boat stuff. It's a little, and you know, it's a little annoying. To pick, people are like, "Oh, well, you're 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 anti Fleck and you're against Fleck," and that's not but let the me case. Say, I agree, and I I agree with both your positions. But I say this: the and I I heard some guy say this on on another station. He said, "You know, it's some where when the Gophers have played teams uh, in which in the last couple of years in which they had better recruiting classes, whatever that's worth, they're like nine and one." In games when they've played teams that have had better recruiting classes than them, they're like four and twelve. Okay, the point being, no one is going to turn this around just by coaching. It has to be done through recruiting. Sure. And he has created this phenomenon that draws attention to the program, and you need to do that to get people to come to Minnesota. Something has to change here to get good players saying, "I think there's something different up there," and I think that. You- so the fact that he might be annoying us. If it's going to start, if it's going to if it's going to lead to recruiting, which will be the test, we'll see. But I also think that the vast majority of the fringe Gopher football ticket buyers, they're not buying it right now, and they don't have to. What has to buy it is that he's got it. The the people that he's recruiting have to buy it. 
that's who's got to buy it, that they have got to get recruits. They've got to start, you know, right now his recruiting class is like 35th. He's got to start getting top 25 recruiting classes. And, and he's, he's got to start winning with those with those recruiting classes, right, though, too. Right, and so all I'm saying is he's got to recruit better, and if he, if he doesn't recruit better, uh, they're, they're, they're not going to But I also, but you know what, though, uh, in the last 15 seconds here, I also think that this isn't his last job. Maybe not. We'll see. We'll see about that. Uh, thanks for having me today. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, but just before the end of the show is coming up a Royce Super Bowl story, uh, and then we're out of here. You're along for the ride with Royce. What do you say we get you home safe? On 1500 ESPN. 1500 ESPN presents 52 Super Stories leading up to the big game. Brought to you by Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. Here's Patrick Royce. I was taking note of the improvement of the Los Angeles Rams this year after being miserable last year, and it reminded me of the St. Louis Rams of 1999. I remember being down there in 1998. The Vikings played them in the second game of the season down in the TWA Dome. They were all fired up. They thought this was going to be the year with Tony Banks as their quarterback. The Vikings beat them 38-31. They ended up 4-12. They let Tony Banks go. They let a couple other quarterbacks go, and they brought in... And Trent Green to be their starter. He got hurt in the preseason in 1999. In came Kurt Warner of the Iowa Barnstormers of the Arena Football League for two years. And uh, lo and behold, they turned into the greatest show on turf in 1999. Kurt Warner had been working at a Hy-Vee. Ended up in the Arena League, showing up with the Rams. Trent Green gets hurt. And you all remember the tearful press conference from Vermeil, Dick Vermeil, when uh, Trent Green got hurt. We are not going to use Trent Green as an excuse for losing. We will rally around Kurt Warner and we'll play good football. Warner passed for 4,353 yards, 41 touchdowns, and the greatest show on turf went to the Super Bowl. They defeated Tennessee, a very good game, 23-16. I think we were all surprised how well Tennessee played that game. He uh, threw two touchdown passes in that game, including a 73-yarder to Isaac Bruce. Warner back to throw. Rainbow's the far sideline, and it is caught by Isaac Bruce. Makes a move to the 30, 25-20, and they won't catch him today. was when the game was tied with just over two minutes to play. Turned out to be the game-winning score. Warner set a Super Bowl record by throwing 45 passes without an interception. And he was named the Super Bowl MVP. But when you look at Hall of Famers, and Johnny Unitas is famous as the quarterback uh, who uh, really didn't have any background undrafted, I don't think there's a more amazing Hall of Fame quarterback than Kurt Warner. Of course, went back to the Super Bowl two years later with the uh, Rams, and they ended up getting upset by the New England Patriots. At least we thought it was an upset then. But Kurt Warner, great story and a Super Bowl MVP after the 1999 season. 52 Super Stories continues next week. Brought to you by Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. And for more details on Super Bowl 52 coming to the Twin Cities in 2018, sign up for the host committee email. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward. And take your breath away like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 
8 billion miles driven by Leaf owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.